0: To say to your podcast guest,
1: like what? That, that, this is nah, about, this is good enough. <laughs> yeah, good enough. We'll be, be riding it. Yeah, don't need it all professional and yeah. shit. You don't get any water by the way either. Yeah, <laughs> I don't respect you enough to give you water or good sound quality. <laughs> Do good I'm having. No, oh, okay. And welcome back. You okay there? yeah is that your really your voice I, I, the, I, I do it differently every time and welcome back it's thursday 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 you're telling them the actual date oh my god oh uh, yeah what i guess I'm, i shouldn't it, it, this might not come out on a thursday oh no blow their minds. it's friday Friday.
0: <laughs> but, i'll do every day of the week so oh, okay <laughs> just edit it edit. Yeah, yeah. everyone works welcome to the monster dome no that's just monster truck rallies that's that's, well, those are Sundays. Yeah. Sundays, Sundays, Sunday. That wasn't exciting enough. Well, I'm not here for excitement. <laughs> no. What are we here for? This week on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you go. You, okay. you introduce. Who am I? Oh, oh. Am I back? Am I here for the first time? Who knows? <gasps> am I even here? Uh, I would hope so, or else
1: I'm just insane. <laughs> That'd be a f- interesting podcast, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, we are back for another installment of potentially harmful. You seem confused at that. Well, no, before, but the last one was because uh, it was a, a mixture of mix, like torn uh, bear or t- torn. Well, no, harmful. torn torn bear is the our, our other version of it's more, it's more intimate, oh, okay. and then potentially harmful is the regular one. So yes. I combined the two to be uh torn harmful right we can we, we can have another so t- it was intimate but r- regular More regular yeah. <laughs> do you want that again or no,
0: no no it's okay we'll we'll see where it goes i don't know what we're gonna do you know who knows where we're gonna get with this so
1: you'll yeah, have to you, you you have to start it from a baseline okay call it whatever you want no you're one who question it so i'm i was just curious there's nothing wrong with being curious
0: about. yes there is because it killed the cat uh But it has nine lives, right? It's just, you can afford to be
1: curious. Yeah. Yeah. So we have eight more to go? Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) So we are back for another installment of Insert Name Here podcast. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Quality. (laughs) And I am again joined by the lovely twitchy eyebrows of Pseudo. Pseudo.
0: I just figured it was a good pseudonym, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. It works. Mm-hmm. What and are we going to talk about? I was just going to say, why have you joined us again
0: Well, on this cheery day? Yeah. <laughs> number one, because you asked me to. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, number two, I, I literally can't stop talking. It's a, oh. it's a disease I have. I'm looking for support uh, if you want to support me on Patreon. <laughs> oh, and Patreon, I'd, I'd yeah. To. Yeah, I literally cannot stop talking. <laughs> Um, And number three, um, I had a pretty interesting subject, what I think is interesting at Mm -hmm. least, um, that I thought it might be fun to discuss.
1: See, now, yeah, but your definition of fun is different than others. It's it's (laughs) true. It's true. Because the topic, quote unquote, I would say, isn't fun, but it is interesting. I think (laughs) everything that is
0: interesting is fun. The topic (laughs) that I chose... Mm -hmm. It's kind of a dual topic. One kind of leads to the other, I think. Um, Hand in hand? (laughs) Yeah, foot in foot. Um, Language is the primary subject. Mm -hmm. Is the Um, overarching. Yeah. And then that's going to lead into honesty and lying and truth. A little bit of truth comes with the package. Right. Um, Yeah. So do you want me to dive this into is your topic oh yeah. this is my topic i can yeah. just you're, rant you're leading me along i have these this people journey. prisoner they're just listening and i can't they you can't know, their yeah. ears yeah I, I can just control them okay
1: and then through their ears you can grab their brain yeah exactly
0: um okay so language
1: do you need a piece of paper and pen you write down your thoughts yeah
0: yeah <laughs> i will just write down my thoughts. um well i actually i, I haven't really thought about language for that long i kind of came to it recently mm-hmm. and um prior to coming to it i just i figured language you know other than learning a different language what's there to know mm-hmm. kind of thing you know we all seem to communicate fine don't we um, close enough <laughs> yeah there's no there's no problems there um and being interested in philosophy the, the two main areas of philosophy that i was most interested in were uh, metaphysics which is the study of reality
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, consciousness, which is the study of what we are and how we, how we do the things we do. Yeah. Basically what it, why are we um, why awake, are we, us, you know, individual. Oh, yeah. Well, why are the, why are the atoms uh, speaking to each other? <laughs> you know? Um,
1: oh, so individual atoms have their own language <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. What would that sound like? It's a little, little fourth wall break, I yeah. guess
0: for my <laughs> pseudonym. But, um, so yeah i was I was interested in those two kind of areas rather than like ethics or justice or aesthetics right. or other things like that. those kind of always um they interested me um <laughs> a little bit more yeah more yeah. than the others um and it was kind of a i was I was trying to distinguish what's most important reality or consciousness, and it kind of went back and forth in my head. I thought, okay, well, clearly you can't we wouldn't be having this conversation if reality didn't exist.
1: So you can't have one without the other.
0: Right. So it's like, start with reality. Say, okay, you know, consciousness wouldn't be here if reality didn't exist first. Right. Unless you're a new age fucking thing (laughs) and thinks consciousness is everything. But, and then, you know, reality came first and then consciousness later. Mm -hmm. But then, okay, what if consciousness didn't exist at all? Then we wouldn't be here to pose that question. Right. And there'd be no way of determining if reality existed, so either <laughs> either we we aren't here to ask the question or' we're, we're not like either way it, it, it doesn't really add up <laughs> so it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, yeah, and so I just studied both <laughs> um, but it's kind of like if you're using a camera and the image that it's giving you is distorted. Yeah. You wouldn't know it's distorted if you didn't know you were using a camera. You know, if the camera's glued to your head. Right. You're just looking through it. So you kind of have to study the camera first or alongside, Mm -hmm. let's say, the image it produces. Because if your camera lens is cracked,
1: then what it gives you is going to be distorted in a certain
0: way. Um, And so just we are that camera Mm -hmm. and we're using ourselves to study... Reality, right? But you know, it's kind of this this loop of, anyways. So, where does language fit into this? <laughs> <laughs> well, but um, I,
1: I, well, before that, well, yeah, what would you say is more important—the consciousness or the, reali- the reality? Would you lean more one one to the, one, one to the other?
0: I, I lean more towards consciousness, okay. Um, and that's kind of just like a philosophical tradition. Mm-hmm. To it, it kind of didn't begin necessarily with Descartes, who said, "I think, therefore I am," right? But He was the first one that kind of really posed that as the basis of all knowledge. Like, I don't know if we're dreaming right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're brains in a vat. I don't know if this whole thing's a simulation. Maybe I'm just ones and zeros on some kid's, you know, computer screen. Yeah. But I do know that I'm here. Well, not here. I I know that I'm. Yeah. I am, you know, behind my eyes, you know. In some way, I exist. And so that's kind of the first thing I can know. And then from that, you kind of build upon it right. and try and learn other things. So the whole universe could be an illusion. Mm-hmm. Reality could be an illusion. But I know something's going on. Right. <laughs> Something is definitely happening. Um, so.
1: so instead of individual consciousness, then, what if there was, if there was maybe a singular consciousness?
0: I mean, it's, we all fit
1: into that. I'm. I'm not
0: really even sure what that means. I mean, <laughs> I. I think you
1: exist. Yeah. I
0: think you, there. There's a. But
1: that's your perception of me.
0: Right. Right. You could be a, a zombie, you know, just or er, a machine um, <laughs> pretending to be a human. Um, but, Maybe like uh, one of our other hosts. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. Uh, it's not really a defensible position. Um, it's kind of the term for that is solipsism. Where you can't prove anything other than yourself exists, mm-hmm. and that's true, but kind of useless. <laughs> um, like, where do you go with that? What do you, yeah, does, you, does that you help you do once anything? Once you prove it there's... Yeah, it, is, it, there's no real way of of disproving it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, that is not the grounds for a good theory. You know, <laughs> oh, we can't prove it wrong. You know, um, and it's not very like economical either people think of solipsism as just like the simplest theory like oh nothing else but me exists yeah okay but what are all the things you're seeing yeah yeah. you know
1: obviously you didn't come up with everything
0: yeah exactly are you (laughs) you have to deal with you know okay only you exist let's Mm -hmm. say you thought up all of the things in your mind and everyone else's mind, yep. and if people come to you with new ideas, you thought of those too, and you yep. gave them to them, and then made yourself forget. Like <laughs> it's just this weird. However, you play out the, the simulation, mm-hmm. it just it, keeps going. It further just, and further down. It the gets hole. more and more complex. It's like this is not a a simple theory. <laughs> you know, you're proposing this huge thing, and, you're and calling, it goes nowhere. Yeah, and it goes absolutely nowhere. As for everything being one in some sense one consciousness mm-hmm. i i don't know i don't know what the the consequences of that would be i i don't know where that leads
1: but you can explain that through the use of language <laughs> yeah yeah sure Segway. yeah
0: um so a couple years ago i guess i stumbled upon a philosopher named ludwig wittgenstein Is he dead <laughs> He yeah he is dead. Did
1: oh, you yeah. to report the body then? Yeah, no. I stumbled
0: right over top of him. Yeah, <laughs> just lying <laughing. laughs> there in the street. Um, and he was he a
1: German philosopher? Uh, th-
0: <laughs> well, the name was Ludwig. Yeah, you, I you'd think so. Um, I think so. Uh, Eastern European, at yeah, least. Yes, maybe Austrian, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and he was—he's one of these philosophers. You'll notice a trend if you study philosophers that a lot of them are mathematicians. They start uh, off as math? Either they start off as math and they go to philosophy or the other way around. Okay. Um, but they're always usually linked for the most part. It, there is a connection there. And so he was one of these philosophers that was really interested in mathematics. And uh, and so he had, his philosophy is kind of like proposing, you know, if this, then this. Right. You know, uh, let's say... We know one thing. What can we build on that? It, 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 all of his, his propositions are in a mathematical format. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, if the underlying reason why he's connecting these things makes sense, then the philosophy makes sense. Right. Kind of like, you know, if A then B, you know, if A is B and yeah. B is C, then A is C. Right. So if you fill those A, B, and C in with actual words and sentences, you yeah. know, if Socrates is a man and all men are mortal, then Socrates is mortal. Right. That's a common one that the yeah. people use. And so if the ABC formula works, then anything you put into those into the formula will work. Right. And so it's a very mathematical way of doing philosophy. Um, so he was one of these guys. Really, really logical and yeah. rational, hyper-rational in his approach to it. But he also had this really cool way of... Um, What's called an aphoristic style so an aphorism is like a short statement um that is true that okay. you think is true um it's also called a maxim or a uh, uh there's other terms for it but it's basically Stupid like language calling it yeah. <laughs> multiple yeah. things the same yeah. thing yeah like uh whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger that's yeah. one by nietzsche um i think therefore i am you know that's a good mm-hmm. you can just kind of those those they're like punchlines yeah, yeah they're like philosophical punchlines <laughs> And so uh, he was really good at coming up with these. And his interest was language. Mm-hmm. And so I think that helped him kind of twist twist people's uh, minds in certain ways so that you hear some of these things he said and you kind of think, oh, that is such a weird way of looking at the world. Or like, I never would have thought about yeah. it that way, but I guess that's true, yeah. Um, and he was he famously kind of stated that all philosophical problems are problems with language okay so it's like he's he, in terms of the camera metaphor I used mm-hmm. before it's not reality that's the problem it's the camera yeah kind of thing
1: yeah cause um, it would be our inability to just to describe it
0: yeah yeah so he he thinks that you know all of the you know how do how do we how do we create a you know a, a basis for morality you know how do we um, figure out what the meaning of life mm-hmm. is. All of these problems. 42. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All of these problems are ultimately problems with our language. Our yeah. language isn't good enough to, to uh, either it's not precise enough or it's limited in a way that we can't answer these questions. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. I'm just going to give you a couple quotes by him just to give you a little right. bit
1: a taste, a little bit of context. Um,
0: so famously in his, in his uh, book, the, uh, Oh, I hope I remember the order of this, um, Tractatus Logico Philosophicus. That was <laughs> one of, of his. Of course, it's in Latin. Yeah, yeah. He, I just that's such a cool Tractatus Logico Philosophicus. <laughs> it's a fun thing to ring off. But uh, what he said was, "What can be said at all can be said clearly, and what we cannot talk about, we must pass over in silence." So that's kind of the the mm-hmm. bedrock of what he believes. You know, right. if we can talk about it then we can say it clearly. Yeah. And if we can't talk about it, then we shouldn't. You just, you just drop it, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because um, there's no point in, in exploring something if you can't actually explore it. Right.
0: And so there's a lot of, you Let's know, go
1: explore this, clay, this cave, but I don't have a flashlight. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get very far. Um, here's another one. Philosophical problems can be compared to locks on safes, which can be opened by dialing a certain word or number. So that no force can open the door until just this word has been hit upon. And once it is hit upon, any child can open it. Which is a really cool way of seeing philosophy, I mm-hmm. think. Where you just need the right words in the right it, order. Yeah. And then once you have it described in a certain way, anyone can understand yeah. it. It kind of um, Though that
1: lock would be unique to each individual person.
0: Right, right. And it kind of echoes what a lot of physicists have said over the years, where uh, I think Einstein said, "If you can't explain something to your grandmother, you don't know it well and, uh, enough." Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard
0: that. And uh, yeah, there, I, Feynman has his own. Richard Feynman has his own mm-hmm. versions of that as well. And it's it, it's it's a nice uh, thing to come back to, you know. Right. That it's, it's a good I, basis. Yeah. Here's one I really like. Uh, The real question of life after death isn't whether or not it exists, but even if it does, what problem this really solves. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that so much. Um, Because, you know, people love to
1: believe in an afterlife Mm -hmm. or reincarnation.
0: Right. It's like, what problem are you, like, what are you, like, do you just want to live forever? Yeah, yeah,
1: because you're essentially just continuing the same problems as before. Yeah, yeah.
0: You die and then you wake back up. It's like, fuck, I got to pay taxes again. (laughs) They're still getting me, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. So he has a way of of bending. I think he also said, uh, if a line could speak, we couldn't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like, and that's going to blend into what we're going to talk about. Um, He saw a very, he had a very interesting way of of talking about language and seeing language. Um, Actually, he has this uh, kind of thought experiment called the beetle in the box um, okay. doesn't matter what
1: kind of beetle it is <laughs> it d- it's not even a beetle oh, okay. I'll get to it <laughs> maybe um, I'm, 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 it's already pro- processing so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the experiment right now right
0: so everyone in the world is walking around with a box okay and inside that box they have something that they call a beetle right no one can see inside anyone else's box uh-huh you can only see inside your box. You need permission, though.
1: <laughs> That's all the
0: consent. <laughs> and so, the question is, what is in the box?
1: So, how do you explain it to someone else? Right.
0: And so, there's this problem of we all are walking around yeah. with this vocabulary, all these words and things we think we know, and yeah. we think we. Are sharing with other people and mm-hmm. you know oh i saw this thing the other day oh yeah i've seen that before
1: yeah how do you we're all know? taught that this is this and right is
0: that and so the problem of language for wittgenstein is that you can never know what's in another person's
1: box right it's very sexual way <laughs> of putting it but but that's that's how he <laughs> yeah, came you, up with yeah, it because yeah? It, it, it's all based on how they explain it to you right and i mean
0: I think we can get pretty close mm-hmm. but there's you know there's always that doubt um, it's kind of like the is my red your red kind of thing I, I, yeah,
1: I've yeah, always thought about that, that too because being partially colorblind my, my perception of colors are, are different obviously mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah and when, you, when you look at trying to explain something you can think you're explaining it one way but somebody's always going to perceive it a different way
0: yeah yeah so um, y-
1: you can try your best like oh well this this phone is is rectangular and it's hour thick, but if you explain it a certain way that makes sense to you, it may not make sense to someone else. So right. they'll perceive it in a different way.
0: Right. Um, I remember being kind of uh, amazed when in high school I had a friend who had never worn glasses before, mm-hmm. and he, one day he just decided to go. You know, he didn't have problems <laughs> with his vision, right. but he decided to get an eye appointment, and he came back with glasses. And suddenly like the next day he came yes. into school and he was like, I can see the, 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 the grains in like the, yeah. the brickwork. Like I can, I didn't, I thought it was just flat. Like I just saw, <laughs> you know, the walls and I thought yeah, it was just a pers- smooth surface, but I can see all the little indentations now. Mm-hmm. And, like, and he was just, he was rediscovering the world. <laughs> Because he had never known no. that that's what other people saw. Because yeah. how much do you talk about the grains and the brickwork, you know? Yeah, no. It's all- There's so many things like that that yeah. you just pass over. because yeah, there
1: you would assume it's perceived by everyone. Right, and right. Yeah, if you've never worn glasses and you don't see those things, that is then your norm. Right. So then you would assume that is essentially yeah. normal for everyone else. Too. Yeah.
0: I, I have uh, long distance glasses that I should use when I'm driving. <laughs> right. Um, you just squint really hard. Yeah, th- that's the thing. I noticed when I was in school, I'd sit at the back of the lecture hall yeah. and I could not see the board. And, you know, I'd be driving and I'd have to get my passenger and be like, tell me when the street's coming up because I yeah. cannot see the streets until it's too late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, you, you miss out on so much. When I wear my long-distance glasses, I yeah. look at, like, trees in the distance, and I can see the, individual, the individual leaves details, yeah. waving in the wind. It's great. Oh, I they're, they're waving? Yeah, they're all <laughs> waving to me. <laughs> they're weird glasses. Yeah, they, they kind of animate uh, inanimate <laughs> objects. But, anyway, so now we're dipping our toes into language. Yes. Um, and Wittgenstein was of the thinking that language affects how you think. Correct. It It changes the way you see the world um and in linguistic circles this is called uh, linguistic relativity or uh, there's also a, a term for it the sapir wharf hypothesis if you've seen the movie arrival it came out a few years ago um that's kind of the basis of this movie okay um where um how you see the world how the words you use change the way you interact with the world so Um, there's there's certain uh, examples of this people there's a a long uh, standing uh, not theory but uh, misunderstanding Mm -hmm. that um, the Eskimo people have you know 100 words for snow or something like that you know and I know Eskimo people isn't the correct term these days you know I, I heard even that they don't E- even in their language, they don't es- have a word for it. Yet. They don't have a word for the word es- yeah, Eskimo. Yeah, like, Eskimo
1: came from the French term to build, um, uh, what are the shoes? Snowshoes? Snowshoes, yeah. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. that was how the French described it. So right. they um, adopted that term yeah. to that people.
0: Right. And so, yeah, so <laughs> that's just, a, it's a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently that's not true. Um that they have a hundred words for snow. Right. Um they but they have more, they've no they I <laughs> think they just probably have just enough snow, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. it might sound like. But the idea is that if you if your language contains, say, more words for snow mm-hmm. than for sand, yeah, then you would think more in terms of, you know, the different qualities of snow. Yeah. let, let, let me give you a more clear example. Um they say that some cultures have less words for uh, colors. So okay. if you live in the jungle, you're going to have more words to describe shades of
1: green. Yeah, you're going to have variety of more it. variety
0: of green, and so that would make you better at identifying the shades of green. Yeah, you know, you can pick out the plant versus the tree leaf versus the you know bit on an animal versus the moss versus right. the whatever it is. Um, and so it literally changes your brain structure. Mm-hmm. This is the theory. Okay. Um, and it turns out that's almost entirely not true. <laughs> and sure, if you live in the jungle and you're surrounded by many green things, yeah. you will be able to distinguish those green things. But it has almost nothing to do with the language that you apply okay. to them. And so there's a, not a linguist, but a cognitive scientist. Psychologist, a cognitive scientist named Steven Pinker, and he's written several books on language, um, also about the mind. Uh, Some of them are "The Language Instinct," um, "How," was it "The Stuff of Thought," and "The Blank Slate." So, all these are kind of tackling human nature and language, Mm -hmm. and uh, especially the language instinct. It is just full of um, studies over you know decades of research and um other like examples of he kind of builds up how we acquired language how we use language the anomalies in language you know with uh dialects dialects yes. uh, deaf people um, people born without um sight even you know how do they develop language yeah. you know it's more based on the sounds and stuff like that um written language versus verbal um All the, you know, how is a sentence constructed? Mm -hmm. Um, Everything. And I mean, it's a huge book. (laughs) I do not remember most of the the examples, most of the studies, but he does take just huge chunks out of the theories that we think we know, Mm -hmm. you know, like the Eskimo and Snow, like Sapir Wharf. You know, we think that language and uh, thought are really connected, and they are but it's not as simple as a lot of people think. Right. He also talks about the research of a guy named Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky is a I've
1: heard that name before.
0: ...very old guy, um, really into politics. <laughs> he's also known for his... This uh, is a great uh, bio of Noam Chomsky. <laughs> um, but he's known for uh, developing this theory of the universal grammar and uh, how he, he took a different approach to it. He didn't take an experimental approach to it, but... He discovered that and developed this theory that children are born with an innate sense of grammar of how to construct a sentence. So this is an oversimplification, Mm -hmm. but in essence, you could take a newly born baby and just give it words and it would be able to construct meaningful sentences out of those words for the most part. Yeah. No. It wouldn't be great. They wouldn't be great, no. You and can still
1: understand what the meaning behind them.
0: Kind of, yeah. That that's kind of the, the theory. And uh they they one example of this, I guess, is they take children into a room and they say they point at a bird on a blackboard and they say, yeah. This is a create a create a word. Go ahead. Create a word. Yeah, create a word. Just say so Vishtosh, Vistosh. This is a Vistosh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they point at one of them and they say, you know, vishdosh And the mm-hmm. children say, vishdosh It's <laughs> a very difficult word. <laughs> Sorry, do you and want to one? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. And then they draw two of these birds. And they point and they say, what are those? And more I'll often... what's plural? More often <laughs> than not, they will add an S to whatever yeah. word they're given. You know, vishdashes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's certain, you know, there's certain... Sentences where you can't just add an s no. to pluralize, you know. There's certain ways, and so they, you know, they test children with these, and they, you know, sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes the kids like they know it's not quite right,
1: yeah, because cause they'll, they'll sound it out and it's like yeah. that doesn't flow properly. Yeah, they'll
0: want to say, you know, just add the s or you know, or ed or whatever ending. There, the you know, normal one would ing be ing yeah. or ly, you know, whatever suffixes. You know, yeah, they do it with different words and stuff like that. And sometimes the children kind of you can see the resistance in them. They're like, eh, "That's not quite right." But uh, so that that's pretty interesting. I, I think that uh, we're kind of born with some some software already yeah, a, on a, a you basis. Know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that also work with like moose and mooses. And <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: some 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 of those you just have to learn. I mean, you know. uh... Moose...
1: I, well, well, I, well, I think that's also part of the, the, the English language. Because yeah. you, you go into... In, in, in other languages, they don't have that same variety of individual words. Right. And with m- pluralization. Moose is
0: actually an interesting case. Moose because, because it's... I mean, there's no... the the greeks weren't running into moose yeah so they (laughs) wouldn't have a
1: word for it right
0: and so i think it's an aboriginal term or it it, uh, that's where it's coined from i i I think so and so that's why it's not it doesn't follow the rule of like okay you know you don't say meese
1: you know (laughs) goose
0: geese there's no meese running around (laughs) though but there are geese and Mm -hmm. so uh, you know certain things like fox and foxes fish you can say fishes but you can also just say fish. Yeah. Many fish, you know. Yeah. A school of fish.
1: So it, it, it really all depends on where your your language was derived from. Yeah,
0: Latin, Greek, you know, and mm-hmm. then it kind of merges into Anglo, you know, European and stuff like that, yeah. or German, the Romance languages. Germanic? No, I'm just oh, saying I was another, another. That example. is not the it's, g- Romantic language. No, no. <laughs> um But yeah, so reading reading that book was actually a lot of fun he has a lot of uh cool examples and he kind of simplifies it so that anyone could understand right, it yeah. regardless of their language capability <laughs> let's say um but so yeah so continuing on with my my journey through language i yeah. went to wittgenstein and i went to cognitive science and i was thinking more about these things and i got interested in metaphors okay we use and a lot of them we do use a lot like. of Like? Well, yeah, simile. That's a simile. Sorry. <laughs> Liker has. Yeah. No, but when I say metaphor, um, I do mean similes. I mean, with what I'm going to talk about soon, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting to, um, what I really mean is any rhetorical language. So poetry, mm-hmm. uh, romanticism, lyricism, symbolism, things like that, where
1: you could almost define it as anything that is not literal. Yeah, I, I, I would say it's trying to explain something through the explanation of something else Right. that is essentially yeah. more common. Yeah,
0: could also call that analogy or mm-hmm. reference. You know, there's, there's many yeah. related terms, uh, contrast, juxtaposition, you know. Um, so I got really interested in metaphors and how we use them, how we understand them right. and things like that. And it, that led me to two people. Um, George Lakoff... Okay. And Mark Johnson, who wrote a book several years ago, mm-hmm. many many years ago, called mm-hmm. "The Metaphors We Live By." Okay, and in this book, they kind of detailed um, the some of the base metaphors that we use without knowing it often.
1: The, the very common ones. Yeah,
0: the very common ones. Like three of them in the book that they really tackled is argument is war. Time is money and love is a journey. Yeah. So to give you some examples.
1: See, I would almost argue that those are ingrained in us from childhood. Right. (laughs) So
0: when you say uh, your claim is indefensible, indefensible, like you defending, he attacked every weak point in my argument. His Mm -hmm. criticisms were right on target. Uh, I demolished his argument. I've never won an argument with him. Uh you disagree, okay, shoot you know like you're yeah, oh, yeah. you're you using a lot you of war like he terms. shot down all of my arguments yeah. um and we think of arguments or discussions, even in terms of, of battle winning and losing of battle yeah. of you know i countered, you know you know he he ceded my point, you know, he kind of gave up he he mm-hmm. he let me win it's because
1: like, it, it's usually one versus another essentially. right.
0: And so the question arises, what if we, instead of the metaphor argument is war, what if we had argument is dancing? Takes two to tango. Right. You know, if, so that if the other person made a point, it would be like a, a twirl or like a spin yeah. or like, and it would be complimentary and you'd be like, oh, that'd be, re- that's really interesting. That doesn't mesh with mine, but I have to now,
1: Im- implement I ha- it. Within- I have to
0: now, you know, improvise. Yeah and spin off your point and now we're creating this shared discussion this Mm -hmm. shared movement that is enriching both of us you know and hopefully for other people it's it's amusing to see rather than oh that guy won that guy demolished him Mm -hmm. that guy crushed him you know and that person lost that person you know
1: so less of a hard stance more of a soft fluid motion
0: so yeah it's interesting to think about how much depends on that base metaphor that we all kind of we use without yeah. n- even knowing it. Um, as for time is money, maybe yeah. more examples. Fuck money. <laughs> I okay. don't have the time to give you. So it's like you're giving someone right. something else. How do you spend your time? Uh, that flyer flat tire cost me an hour. Mm-hmm. You're running out of time. Put aside some time. Uh, do you have much time left? He's living on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. I lost a lot of time when I got sick. Thank you for your time. You know, it's like right. these things that we're giving or we're taking or we're yeah. losing a, or we're gaining. A, a commodity. It's this, yeah, it's like a thing we have. Yeah. And um, we trade it. Yeah. Uh, another one, I'm just looking through a list here. Right. Um, I'm not just coming up with this. <laughs> but, um, is what's called the conduit metaphor. So it's like this container. There's a, So it's like words are containers mm-hmm. and we put ideas into them. Okay. So, it's hard to get that idea across to him. Um, Sometimes that container is yeah. closed. It's difficult to put my ideas into words. Try to pack more thought into fewer words. Uh, his words carry little meaning. Uh, your words seem hollow. You know, it's like you're saying yeah. words, but there's no idea. You yeah, know, there's, there's, like, there's nothing within yeah. it. The idea is buried in, in dense paragraphs. You know, it's like something that is, it's like a physical object yeah. that. Contains a lot that contain you know, um, and here's a list of other metaphors that you can kind of. So happy is up, and sad is down. So All I'm right. feeling up. Uh, that boosted my spirits. My spirit rose. Um, I'm feeling down. I'm depressed. Uh, he's really low these days. I fell into a depression. Mm-hmm. So we always think of happy as up, right. sad as down. Um, conscious is up, and unconscious is down. So you get up, you wake up. Yeah. I'm up already. He rises early. And then he fell asleep, he dropped off to sleep, he's under hypnosis, he sank into a coma, it's always going down. Another one, health and life are up, and sickness and death are down.
1: You know, he's at the the peak
0: of health. Lazarus rose from the dead. He's in top shape, or he came down with the flu, his health is declining, he dropped dead. (laughs) One more. Okay. (laughs) Um, Having control is up, or being subject to control is down. I have control over her. Mm-hmm. I'm on top of the situation. He's in a superior position. He's at the height of his power versus he is under my control. He yeah. fell from power. His power is on the decline. He's the low man on the totem pole. The, it just goes on and on. Right. Once you know, And those are just orientational metaphors, yeah. you know, up, down. And so once I started reading their book, The Metaphors We Live By, yep. I became kind of, it's like this schizophrenic, like looking around, like, where are yeah, they? Well, the yeah, metaphors are everywhere. Them everywhere now. Yeah, exactly. Um, which led me to um, another book by actually a student of George Lakoff's, um, Benjamin Bergen. He came out with a, a book, uh, Louder Than Words, where he discusses kind of a new theory in cognitive science and linguistics um, called the embodied simulation hypothesis okay which is a complicated way of saying that when we hear words we simulate what they mean right yeah so we're constantly without knowing it Mm -hmm. having little simulations like little movies movies within our heads of what words mean
1: which is based off our memory and experience
0: right so here's here's some examples of like more more metaphors so we often talk about time in terms of space but the reverse is almost never true so for example (laughs) you say uh spring break is still way ahead of us Mm -hmm. or two hours is way too short a time for me to finish this exam or my my birthday is so close to christmas yeah close you know uh too short it's way ahead of us it's a distance yeah distance But imagine what it would be like if you reversed (laughs) it. So you never say, oh, that that car is still in the future, meaning it's (laughs) ahead of us. Or you don't say, uh, if you get lost in the mall, stay at the same time. (laughs) Like, it it doesn't make any sense unless, actually, that one, when I read it, I was like, unless you have a good understanding of, like, space-time. Because space and time are related, so (laughs) it would kind of make sense to say stay Mm -hmm. at the same time. But, uh, yeah, it is interesting that... Certain things only go one One, way. Yeah, they don't flip the other. That Um, makes sense. Another example he gives is joy and happiness, the way we think of joy and happiness. So oftentimes we talk about happiness in terms of searching for something. Um, But joy, we usually describe as we are a container for joy and we're filled
1: with it. Yeah, and the absence of that is And
0: you can do the opposite. You can say you are filled with happiness or you're searching for joy. Yeah. But statistically, you're unlikely to do that. No, yeah. <laughs> Most people use, you know, joy as a container and happiness is sought yeah, out. Yeah, you're, you're yearning for it and you want to yeah. fill it. So there's certain things that you know they're just they're automatic that we we don't really know we're doing. Yeah. but we do anyways. And there's some actual like psychological studies where they've taken certain metaphors that we use mm-hmm. and put them to the test. So for example. By raising or lowering the temperature in the room, you can make people like or dislike a complete stranger. Why is that? Because kind people are warm and cold <laughs> people are cold. You know, rude people are right, cold. yeah. And it's just the way we think, oh, that person's really warm.
1: You, you, we, yeah. um, we associate those things together right. a lot of the time. Right.
0: So you can affect, you know, if you just lower the temperature of the room. Yeah two strangers meeting for the first time, there's less of a chance that they'll actually get along like, because yeah. it's so ingrained in their head.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Another example is actually morality. So when people see or commit an act that they deem wrong or bad, they not only want to clean themselves afterward. Yeah, It's actually psychologically helpful to do that. Oh, so it's okay. like this lady Macbeth with the blood on her hands. Like yeah. Once you see like, Oh, I don't know, like a, say something horrible like a rape scene in the movie people will cringe and like if they had a shower after they'd actually feel better they you wouldn't tell them that you know (laughs) be like oh i have to shower i just watched something really fucked up (laughs) but it's actually they've done these experiments and why is that because good acts are clean and bad acts are dirty that's like the metaphor underlying ingrained it's ingrained in us so yeah, to go along with Benjamin Bergen with his simulation hypothesis, it's like we see things, we or yeah. we hear things, read things even, and then we we're simulate. All, all, all,
1: we're already processing it a certain yeah. way.
0: So when you say like, "Oh, that's a bad," or "That's a you know, that's a bad guy," like you're simulating yeah. things. It's it's working on other metaphors. You refer to the metaphor and then apply it back to the, yeah. si- the situation. Um so reading reading those books i i highly recommend metaphors we live by <laughs> really cool just you, you like read some of these metaphors that they talk about No, know like, is there
1: like a cliff's note version like <laughs> it's a little shorter <laughs> this is the cliff notes <laughs> oh, version.
0: um but yeah really interesting books um and so where does that leave us so we started with wittgenstein mm-hmm. we went to stephen pinker with his um, and chomsky and we went to uh, George Lakoff and Mark Johnson and Benjamin Bergen, getting into metaphors. And, and when's it all men? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> can women not think highly? There's actually a lot
0: of a lot of women in linguistics and the study of language, but uh,
1: not as prominent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a trend with a lot of um, a lot of areas of study. I mean, right. just typically across history, you know, it's only in the last. Say two hundred years that women have actually been able to you know produce academic literature right, yeah, and get it published have that stuck. even like two hundred years ago, even early nineteen hundreds mm-hmm. um, they would have to publish under a, a pseudonym, yeah, you know they'd have to claim to be a man in order to or get to under their, under, their husband's, under name. their husband's name, yeah exactly um, like Mary Shelley exactly, yeah, that's a good example I know something <laughs> um so before i get to what i consider kind of my uh theory about metaphors yeah not really a theory question for me don't you i don't no no no. but not yet no okay um but there's there's this field this whole area of human language of conversation that it seems like the whole goal of this enterprise is to make as little sense as possible, <laughs> and yet people love it. It's one of the most important part of a lot of people's lives. Yeah, people dedicate their whole lives to creating this stuff and absorbing it. And you know, poetry.
1: <laughs> Fuck poetry. <laughs> what is poetry? Overcomplicated nonsense to me. You think so? Uh, a lot. A lot of it. I. Yeah. Because I, I don't connect with it. hmm I don't see... Well, you haven't
0: found the right poetry then.
1: <laughs> uh, most likely, yes. Yeah. Although I, I would argue part of it was forced upon me, mm. especially with Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Because back in high school, yeah. you're, you're always forced to read it. Okay, I didn't engage with it much. And then I was told to write a paper on his significance and influence in the world. But because... I thought he didn't have significance, and I thought he didn't bring anything to the table. I'm like, okay, I don't believe this. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, you need to write this paper. Yeah, and it's yeah. forced upon me. Yeah. So,
0: I think that says more about the education system than it <laughs> right, does poetry, because yeah.
1: Shakespeare is definitely not the best of poetry. No, it's just in in the the, the center of it because it's maybe yeah. the most accessible. Yeah,
0: I mean, he is probably like it's real or not. Yeah, he's probably one of the first poets. Yeah, you know, an average it, person would name.
1: Yes. He is probably the most famous for that. Going off, if if it if, if it was one person, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Because there is no yeah. evidence. of I knew who nothing it was. about that
0: whole you know conspiracy. <laughs> oh, it's a conspiracy it is, now. If it is a conspiracy, right? Yeah, it
1: certainly seems like it. But, uh mm-hmm. but yeah, like personally, poems don't speak to me. I, I, I'm not a big fan of flowery language. Yeah. It doesn't do much for me. It's... Yeah. You've used, like, un- five metaphors just in those, like, <laughs> two sentences, by it, the way. It's an unneeded entanglement of words mm. that's overcomplicating it. Right. Right. You know, it's, you want to say this thing? Say the thing. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the only time I complicate words is all... When I, when I get flowery, I sometimes would talk. Or you use oldish terms, like... Mm-hmm the thy just yeah. ma- it makes it sound a little bit more fancy yeah but yeah. I, d- I don't know why i lean into that when i'm yeah. trying to give more heart to something mm-hmm. yeah so that'd be my my poetry yeah
0: yeah <laughs> it is interesting though that i mean you just use maybe even without knowing <laughs> it's it shit a ton of metaphors yeah and really poetry is the place where metaphors thrive It's the place to use all Mm -hmm. of these things, these allusions to, you know, mythology and, you know, all these things. And yet, you know, we're okay with the metaphors we use every day. But when it comes to someone crafting a sentence using, say, purely metaphors, it becomes this, like, what are they talking about? Like, if someone didn't know what poetry was and you gave them poetry, they'd be like, is this person having a stroke? (laughs) Like, how is... What is
1: going on here? I think a simple explanation from a non-educated person would, as myself would be that you're, I don't want to say forcing, but you're intentionally trying to create something instead of naturally trying to explain it in a different way. You're like, okay, I'm going to explain this thing in this way. Right. Instead of going, okay, I need to explain this thing. What's the best route to go Mm -hmm. down? You're specifically trying to do it in a certain way.
0: Right um yeah i find that a lot of people when when they talk about the the role of poetry or of metaphors they kind of think about the those indescribable moments in life mm-hmm. you could call them ineffable moments those you they can't be put into words and so you use words that <laughs> they can't be put into words but so you use words yeah. that don't actually make logical sense because they think that whatever they whatever that experience is that you know beautiful moment in their life yeah. it isn't logical somehow we right. have this kind of intuition that it's beyond because it's unexplainable yeah that it's beyond rational and so you need to use something that is not yeah. rational because because it doesn't it. make
1: sense you explain it in a nonsensical manner right
0: and i think that's complete bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i think if you know if someone is having this peak experience of you know, beauty and awe and wonder, mm-hmm. um, and they feel like they're transcending themselves. Sit them down, <laughs> and get them to use the most brutal, cold—there's a metaphor—rational, yeah. um, logical language the they most can s- to try and describe described. it. Yeah. And more often than not, they can do it fine. Like y- you can reduce right, things yeah. to rational language, and it's not necessarily a reduction by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way we've been brought up in society for, you know, thousands of years and the way we think about language, we, we do see the rational as being cold, as right. being unemotional. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's done a better job of kind of debunking this than Richard Dawkins, evolutionary biologist uh, known for his atheism and other mm-hmm. things. Um, he actually created the word meme. <laughs> Um, really? Originally, kind of a, a
1: biological, cultural um, word. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But. Which originally meant what? Well. Because obviously, it, we're not using it in, in the same term. Well, anymore. no, it's.
0: What we're using is just an extension of it. He originally um, coined it to mean a a cultural um, version of the gene. So, uh, you know, biological genes yeah. um, are things that can go across. You know, thousands of generations that get passed down, and that carry information right. about their hosts, about mm-hmm. you know even their environments. Um, so you you could look into the genetics of an antelope, and you could tell, trace that back. You could tell what environment they grew up in, yeah, or <laughs> what environment they lived in. You could even tell what lions are like from the genetics of an antelope, right? Because you could see how they adapted to how they changed, predators yeah. and and et cetera. So a meme is a cultural version of that. So it carries cultural information mm-hmm. across generations and things like that. And so um, what we've done with meme <laughs> is, you know, when you talk about the original memes that, yeah. you know, maybe our generation or the generation before came up with, they were images with text. Yeah. And then... People would change the text and keep the image the same.
1: Yeah, because the context of the image right. is, is always is always the same. Right.
0: And so it would be the same image, but mm-hmm. with different meanings put onto it because and you could tell when a meme didn't work. Like if you just put any random text on a certain yeah. meme, you'd be like, oh, that's not how it works. That's mm-hmm. not the right meme for that text yeah. kind of thing. And then they adapted and the memes would change, you distort it, and you know, rather than being god i can't even think of a single meme anymore <laughs> um rather than being i'll go back really far the troll face okay, troll face yep, was yep. kind of you know and then you you kind of distort it in a way or you make it you know you put the the rainbow flag over top of it and suddenly right. it's a gay troll face and you can you can distort things in certain ways mm-hmm. and it you know memes develop as well culturally and now we're just all fucked up. It's a, I would say... We, it's just... <laughs> it's a clusterfuck online well, yeah. of...
1: Because I would say in today's day and age, we've shortened that gene pool. So it doesn't yeah. have the same um, weight that, right. uh, uh, no, that the, the, the original ones would have had. Because yeah. you're using images that haven't been out for very long. So right. they, they don't have um, the same understanding across... Uh, Societies and cultures that other ones would have had. Right,
0: they don't last as long, and maybe they don't carry as much information. Mm -hmm. Right. So Richard Dawkins um, created the word meme. Um, Son of a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) He had good intentions, I swear. I always do. He he kind of tackled this this notion that science, or that scientific rational thinking, is cold and uh, dispassionate in his book "Unweaving the Rainbow." Where he used examples from science and scientific literature to paint a view of the world that was as poetic, if not more poetic, than any, uh, I'll say, faith-based or just uh, Mm metaphor-based descriptions of the world. And so he kind of created this scientific poetry just using... Based on facts. Based on facts, based on, you know... Just based on our understanding of reality, mm-hmm. and the universe.
1: Highly recommend that book. It is a beautiful book. and One thing I, I, I would go back to is yeah. I would say, because he said that, uh, science is isn't passionate. I would disagree. Well, yeah, no, I
0: I, I totally disagree as <laughs> yeah. well. Some people see it that way. I think because
1: obviously, obviously you you wouldn't be involving yourself so much in a, in a certain subject right. if you didn't have passion, right?
0: And I I kind of feel like I'm I'm straw manning um, the current position on science a lot. You know, this this kind of view is changing, mm-hmm. but we have to recognize that it has changed only recently in the past couple decades. Okay, you know, a couple decades ago it was like. Scientists created the atomic bomb, and they're trying yeah, to kill there, us. Yeah, there, there's a lot
1: more negative connotation, and it's to just
0: it. yeah, people in lab coats like <laughs> that, that. parody that we think of today of people yeah. in lab coats experimenting on animals that wasn't that long ago. that people no. genuinely believed that. We have to kind of remind ourselves yeah. of that.
1: So it was within our lifetime.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so there's this idea that because poetry isn't rational, it can't be wrong. In a certain right. sense, like the the poet uh, Keats um, said that uh, truth is beauty and beauty is truth. You know, all truth, all beauty is truth
1: and truth beauty. Whatever he yeah. said, and uh, well, what do you think of that? Poetry can easily be wrong, <laughs> even though it's not based on scientific fact, because it's it would be based off the author's perceptions and on and their beliefs and understandings. Mm-hmm. So if someone doesn't agree with that. It doesn't make them, like, right or wrong. It's mm-hmm. just, it doesn't line up then. So, to say it can't be wrong, mm. that's a big foot in your mouth, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I, I kind of agree as well.
1: Because if if you want to go off beauty, mm-hmm. look at art. Yeah. That whole fucking shebang. Yeah. Because. Just all art? In, in general, yeah, because. You can have the, a beautiful landscape and portraits, but then sure. you have the more abstract ones where it's a dot, a singular tiny dot. Yeah, you don't even need that; it can just be a blank <laughs> canvas. <laughs> yeah. No, well, even then, it, someone will paint it white. A white canvas yeah. will then be painted white. Yeah, and people will will scoff at it and be yeah. like, "Oh, this, it's so amazing! Right. It, it'll, it'll it'll hold so much emotion, and it, 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 it's so intelligent and beautiful." Mm-hmm. And it's like they go go off and off and like it means all this, but maybe the painter said, "No, it's just a white canvas." Right.
0: But if someone has
1: that emotional response to mm-hmm. a white canvas, it doesn't make them wrong for having it. Right? That's just how they perceived it. But yes. it's, but that's their understanding of beauty. Yeah, uh, of how of how it affected them. Right. So that doesn't make it right or wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it is interesting though that. You know,
0: it'd be a weird question to show someone a painting and say, "Is this true?" And be like, "What?
1: What? What is that question?
0: Like, what does that mean? You know, what are you trying to ask?" Yes,
1: yeah, well, cause you're, you're, I would say, we, we 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 always try and put more meaning onto something than there was meaning put into it.
0: Mm, that's that's an interesting way of putting it.
1: because um, a similar type meme, it was a longer meme that, that I saw on Facebook a while ago was of um, I think it was Shakespeare or some other poetic type thing and they were teaching in the classroom saying okay and in this passage uh, the author said the door is red which Hmm. um Uh, goes back to the the emotion of anger and and how they were feeling and the uh, struggle between these two characters. So then this dude then uh, goes through college and gets all these degrees and ends up um, um, developing time travel, goes back to the past, brings Shakespeare to the the, the, the present to his uh, teacher's house and goes, okay, when you said the door was red, what'd you mean? I meant the door was red. It was in color. Yeah. And it's like, boom! (laughs) Yeah yeah it it is we we always try to put more more meaning or derive more meaning from something than there was meaning put into it yeah it is interesting it's not wrong that we see a different meaning in it Mm -hmm. but it's not what was intended right well that that's a
0: question in itself does it matter what's intended or what the effect of it is you know yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and so there's this re- just recently. Um, there's been a guy in the news, Ooh, a guy um, online and, it's and stuff. A guy. Yeah, it's always a guy, and um, he's actually a professor, or he was at least. I'm not sure if he still is. He's a professor at University of Toronto.
1: Okay, homegrown um, boy.
0: Yeah, and he's a clinical psychologist. His name is Jordan Peterson. You would likely see his name. Um, in uh, interviews and debates about um, political correctness on campus and uh, the sex versus gender kind of debate and Mm -hmm. other things like that. Uh, C-16, Bill C-16 was a a bill that was passed uh, somewhat recently in Canada that uh, it's now uh, an act of violence to misgender someone. Right, yes. Right. Um, and he fought that and based on language, <laughs> oddly enough, <laughs> mm-hmm. is, is, and biology. Um, but anyway, so he, him, and another guy, Brett Weinstein. Weinstein. Weinstein? Weinstein. I think it's Weinstein. Depends where the E and the I fall. Weinstein, I, th- I believe it is. Um, he's an uh, evolutionary biologist as well. And a, uh, they were on Joe Rogan's podcast okay. together. You know Joe Rogan. I, I, I don't think I have to explain who Joe Rogan is. But uh, they,
1: they... I did. mean, <laughs>
0: I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um. It's amazing where he's come from. Yeah. It's his journey. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and so they were on Joe Rogan's podcast together. And, uh, not a plug. N- not a plug. Yeah, you <laughs> But can. definitely go there. It's way, way better. It's a great podcast, yeah. <laughs> and they talked about this idea of metaphorical truth. It was originally uh, Brett uh, Weinstein's um, term that he used to describe certain ways of talking that Jordan Peterson was using. Okay. So Jordan Peterson, he's a big fan of um, archetypes. Right. Um, and particularly Jungian archetypes uh, in reference to Carl Jung. Carl Jung, yes. yeah. Um, and he's also, he's kind of a, f- a idol not an idol a he's a a role model for atheists who like the good things of religion
1: okay yeah um
0: and so a lot of people a lot of fans of his (laughs) are now describing themselves as christian atheists because (laughs) they identify with the archetypes you can find of the core values of that belief system right but they don't agree with the literal translation Mm -hmm. and so brett weinstein <laughs> Weinstein, I keep I keep saying guessing. E N would be Stein. Stein would be E I N. Weinstein. I think it's Weinstein though. I remember him well, them saying. I mean, it doesn't wait, matter. Wait, wait,
1: well, we can actually see how it's spelled. E I N. What,
0: what's it's, his name? It's E I N. You sure? Yeah, I'm positive. However you want to pronounce it doesn't matter. Um. So he used this term metaphorical truth to describe Jordan Peterson's way of thinking. Yeah. And he defined it as a metaphorical truth is something that although literally false, mm-hmm. if acted as though it were true, it would give you a benefit. Okay. Whether a evolutionary benefit or a societal benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, one example he gave of this was this idea that porcupines throw their quills. Right. Literally, <laughs> porcupines do not throw no. their quills. <laughs> that
1: would be cute as hell to watch. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, or shoot them out, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But if you acted as if they did, you would stay clear of porcupines. Yeah. And thus you would, you know, if you're a small there, there, animal, you'd there, survive longer. There, yeah. If you were, you were a small kid, then, you, you know, you wouldn't get hurt. Yeah. So there's a benefit to believing if it were true. Um, And when he brought this up on the podcast, Joe Rogan said, yeah, but why lie to your kids? Why not just say, (laughs) don't fuck with porcupines? Their quills are sharp. Yeah. And uh, I got to admit, although not an academic uh, argument, Joe Rogan kind of won that, at least in my eyes. It it is very
1: simply put.
0: Right. And so Jordan Peterson, with his uh, Christian kind of archetypes, he's saying they might not be um, literally true. Mm -hmm. but if you understand these archetypes then and you and you identify them and you you use them in your everyday life they will give you a benefit in acting out your life and there's no question that they can give you a benefit Mm -hmm. but just because something is beneficial does not mean it is true (laughs) right he would disagree but yeah uh, you know that's another thing so i think it's time to state my uh
1: your overarching my theme.
0: overarching theme. Um, it's not really an overarching theme. It's just <laughs> something I kind of came up with, and it's not even that it's not controversial or anything like that. But it's it's kind of broken into three parts. I like things in threes. If you, yeah. You know, the last episode I talked about the trilemma. <laughs> you know, it's, I I'm
1: actually similar as that way too. Yeah. Uh, though three hold significance within me as well.
0: Yeah. It, it, I think. With a lot of people, it does. I mean, there's the Holy Trinity. There, there's yeah. just the three blind mice, three musketeers. Three is just the perfect number to group things in. <laughs> you know, multiples
1: you, of three have always been yeah. there for me. So yeah.
0: So this idea of metaphors, I think, I would say, that oftentimes people do one of three things wrong, okay. or any, again three, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or perhaps you know all three of these things at the same time. They use metaphors incorrectly happens a lot yeah they use them at the wrong time or they don't know when they're using them and the third one is really kind of what we've been talking about and what's most interesting to me yeah because it goes beyond just saying like oh i'm feeling down today it's like oh that's a metaphor it's like Mm -hmm. not really talking about those types of metaphors yeah but there are Like in
1: the way I talk, I use a lot of metaphors.
0: Right. But the thing is, the the way I mean this is you can, your way of talking, your way of using language is, it can lead you to view the world in a certain way. This goes back to the the earlier Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, relativity, you know, language is is influencing thought, which I said before is incorrect. Right. So let me go back to that. There are two versions of the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Yeah. There's the strong position where... Which is up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's the strong position where the words you use directly influence your thoughts. Okay. There's a... It's just one-to-one, like they're directly related. Yeah. And there's the weak position where language influences thought. It's not directly correlated to it, it influences it. And... Although the strong position has largely been kind of disproven, the weak position is still, no one's really denying it. It's on the fence. It's Yeah, it's kind of on the fence. And so my, my kind of theory here is, <laughs> is in line with the weak position, although it doesn't really depend on it. Okay. But all I'm really saying is that if you're going to use a metaphor, first of all, use it correctly. Yeah. You know, don't use the wrong metaphor, at the, you know, and don't use it at the wrong time. You know, you don't have to use metaphors all the time. So times you can use just literal language and that would best describe mm-hmm. what you're trying to describe. But the key thing is know that you're using them because if you don't know that you're using a metaphor and you're using them and there's consequences to that, You will not be able to trace back those consequences. No, yeah, because you
1: you, you won't understand that. Right.
0: You don't know the source, and the source is just the way you're speaking, the way you're thinking about the world. And so the real kind of crux of this is learn more about how you work, how your mind works, how you think about things. What is your process when you meet someone on the street? when you face a challenge, when you're just sitting alone, when you're reading a book interpreted something, when you're seeing a movie, when you're eating, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, how are you doing it? And is the method by which you're doing it influencing the result of it? Whether you're enjoying it, or whether you're being efficient at work, or whether you're having a good or bad relationship with a stranger, you know? And so it's, it's in line with the, the metaphor I used at the beginning of the camera. Yeah. You know, is the camera broken? I would say all of our cameras are broken. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you need to understand the camera you're using, the camera that you mm-hmm. are. Yeah. In
1: order or you which you can't change.
0: Well, I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> topic. But uh, you won't get very far, or you'll get to a very bad place in life if you don't understand your own way of being. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean when I say don't use metaphors incorrectly or at the wrong times and know when you're using them. Yeah. That's kind of what I, what I'm getting okay. to thoughts on that.
1: Personally, I would, I would say, I know I use a lot of metaphors because I always try to explain something in another form.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm probably going to use more metaphors. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to this, just count the metaphors along yeah, I have as, a going. as he speaks. Yeah.
1: Though I think that would also, come into an insecurity of mine because i probably don't feel strong enough in the words that i can use mm-hmm. so probably also a lack of understanding of individual words and, and language or that i've lost it so i i, I would simplify it into a, another experience or a different way of explaining it to mm-hmm. make sense to somebody else because i can't evoke that same emotion in you mm-hmm because I I don't have that way to explain it, so I try to divert it.
0: Mm -hmm. And this really comes into play when, I mean, if you are basing your life on a metaphor, if you, like, you know, what's the metaphor that you live your life by? That is a horrible idea to do. Um, Like, if you're living your life by the metaphor that, you know, it's an uphill journey and, you know, you got to put in the work to get, Mm -hmm. you know, life's like a... um, you know, like a lottery machine where you just put in the money and eventually you'll get a reward. If, you right. stri- if you're living your life by that, <laughs> you're going to have a horrible time with life. I mean, you put in work sometimes and nothing comes of it. Yep. And that's just a, a, a truth about life. I mean, and sometimes it does. And sometimes mm-hmm. you put in no work and good things happen. That's not a, a great metaphor to live by. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yep. Maybe there's a better metaphor. Or maybe you don't need a metaphor <laughs> to describe the whole arc of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, why do we need, to, why do we feel the need to describe our life as some story? Why do we have something else? Why do we tell us ourselves this story about the life we're living? Like not only do you have to live your life, you have to fucking narrate it too. <laughs> yeah. It's this, you know, and so it, it's kind I'm kind of attacking that instinct to narrate our own lives, i being
1: very aggressive right now. And <laughs> oh, yeah? Am I triggering you?
0: <laughs> but I am... I mean, I'm passionate about this. Yeah. Because you can lead yourself and other people into very horrible
1: places in mm-hmm. life. Very easily, too. Very easily.
0: Just by using language in certain ways. And it's like that... You, you
1: got a lot of the dictators and whatnot from the past. Exactly.
0: It's like that philosophical safe. You know, once you unlock the safe in someone's yeah. mind... Then it's easy to open. They're putty in you your know? hands, exactly. And they're putty. Point. They're putty in their own hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a poem can mean the world to someone. Someone could change their life yes. over a few lines of poetry. Mm-hmm. What does that mean <laughs> about them as a person? Yeah, they read nonsense. It made sense to them, and then, and then they changed them. They forever. changed them forever. That they were so malleable. Well. I mean, maybe it changed them for the good. Maybe it changed them for the bad. Who knows? Yeah. But are they aware of it? Probably Do they know? Not. Exactly. All I'm saying is it's be aware. Be aware of the the mechanisms inside your, the gears turning that are creating It's like you were uh, yeah. twisting your nipples there. <laughs> it's inside, it's inside. Okay. Yeah. Um, just be aware of the yeah, these mechanisms that are going on inside mm-hmm. your head, inside your body, inside culture. You know these memes that get passed around, because if you don't look at these things with a a, a scrut, scrutiny, you know, with yeah.
1: a with a um, so pull back the curtain. Don't just look at them for face value. You know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Don't trust the wizard.
1: because <laughs> he's not a wizard. <laughs> don't trust any
0: wizard. Yeah, just a very bad wizard. <laughs> so yeah, there. The, the, the one more thing is, there's this. I kind of broke it. My 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 theory. Mm-hmm. I, I hate calling it a theory. It's not a theory, <laughs> but kind of broken into two cases could be broken into three if you wanted the three but <laughs> this was a little big Let's snap yeah it. <laughs> there's the extreme case okay which says never use metaphors oh very extreme right <laughs> yeah that's why i call it extreme not not the strong case but the no. extreme case never use metaphors. That would suck now, for me. If. At the end of this conversation, you think that's even possible, then I've failed. (laughs) Um, So clearly, I'm not advocating the strong case. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the extreme case. Um, What I'm uh, advocating is the moderate case, which I kind of just uh, talked through, you know, be aware and Mm -hmm. and use them. But there's also, I guess, if you wanted a third option, the weak case, which is, I suppose, use use all all the metaphors all all the time for everything. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a straw man of my own, you know, but uh, yeah, which I I obviously don't recommend. Um, most civilizations in history, that was their downfall, you know, just religious thinking, right, and yeah. dogmatic thinking, and
1: thinking more, too much on one way than the other.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: Got to have a healthy medium.
0: Yeah, so I be a moderate in all things, yeah. except moderation. Yeah, and so that's. That's kind of the the end of the language
1: segment. Question for you then? Yeah, because because going off your three points of the, the metaphors, mm-hmm. I don't think I've I, that I would really use metaphors wrong. But in our talkings, have I? I mean, like, I do use I use them
0: wrong? Uh,
1: do I use them wrong or in the in the, in the wrong times?
0: There would I. So the 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 answer to that is. The only test to know whether you're using them wrong or at the wrong time, mm-hmm. using them wrongly, we should be saying, <laughs> using <laughs> them incorrectly, that was wrong, you know? The, yeah. Um, the only way to know if you're using them incorrectly or at the wrong time is if someone does not understand you. Right. Or if they think they understand you and you quickly find out, oh, no, you didn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so.
1: The point you, you, you were trying to get across didn't yeah, land.
0: Right. And so as long as there is a consistency between what you're thinking and saying and what I'm hearing and then thinking and saying in response, as long as that bridge between us...
1: At least there's something there and are yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. If the bridge is full of traffic, yeah. you know, there's a bad <laughs> metaphor probably. Did you like that metaphor? That's,
1: oh, wait, there was a metaphor? Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, sorry, exactly. you didn't explain it. Right yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and so...
1: Okay, I I, I I can see that then, because I would I would say then in, in my experience, it's not that I would have used a wrong metaphor. I usually just overcomplicate them. Hmm. There's nothing I love more than a oh, than an, an a, overcomplicated a, statement, yeah, an extended <laughs> metaphor
0: that just keeps going. You know?
1: that just has layers and layers. And oh, layers you just now.
0: keep taking. It, you know, someone says something, and just you just run with it and see how far you can <laughs> oh, take oh, it. God. It just gets absurd so quickly. Yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah, Love it. yeah, so like I, I I don't see it being like that I would have used it wrong, it's just it's over complicated for the new situation, so then I just try and rework the same idea. Right, right.
0: And sometimes it's better just to drop it and be like, Okay, let's start again. That was <laughs> yeah. a bad metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting.